Two years ago in a theme park not that far away, a $1 billion property opened in the U.S., the most expensive expansion in the park's history. This new area relied on immersive theater, state-of-the-art ride technology, and a never-ending galactic rebellion. This week on Slice of Disney, may the fourth be with you. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. I am your co-host, Will Lentz, casual Disney goer and real-life something you never see in the Star Wars universe, a redhead. (laughs) Is that true? Unless you count Bill Burr in The Mandalorian. That's the only one I can think of. To be fair, I did no fact checking and just came up with it right now. So I don't know. We could I feel ask like her Jessica guess. Chastain is like in there somewhere. Maybe. I know she's not, but like she should be, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, why not? Uh, or like Bry- Bryce Dallas Howard, but she's in she's in the Jurassic universe. Yeah, I mean, I could almost. I mean, you can't make an. I would love to see a redhead Wookie. I mean, that would be awesome. Um, but I don't. I don't know that those are out there. They'd be so. rare. They'd be like the rare one. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. As redheads are rare. We're, uh, Do you have blue eyes? I, you can answer that question. You're looking at me. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Great. Our listeners are going to love this Will facial recognition <laughs> content. Okay. Well, Will has blue eyes, so everyone knows. And I think it is blue eyes and red hair is like the rarest uh, combo. I was, always kind of considered myself a diamond. Yeah, I figured. Um, so this week, uh, we are celebrating one of the best Disney holidays you can celebrate. May the fourth be with you. Yeah. Uh, all about Star Wars. Um, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff in the parks that we're excited to talk about. Um, I've been a big Star Wars fan since a very young age. Um, I think you are a Star Wars fan, but maybe not to the same level. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, my mom was a really, really big fan, so we grew up with that in our household. And definitely, I think in the more recent years, got even more into it again. And I think I like took a break, you know, there for a little bit. Sure. Just got too cool. Yeah, that makes sense. How many times? (laughs) I thought I was too cool, but let's be real. Star Wars is way cooler than me. Um, So it kind of evens out. Yeah. And if you're listening to this right now, I'm actually at Disneyland. Yeah, I guess that's Ah! true. This is going to come out on that day. I'm so excited. So uh, I am sticking to what I said last week, and I'm going to be much better about posting. Uh, I'll try and go live while I'm there, at least for a little bit. So um, I'm very, very excited. So if you'd like to celebrate May the 4th as you're listening to this, come join me also live on Instagram. Yeah, very Or exciting. YouTube. One of them. I'll be somewhere. It's going to happen. I love it. <laughs> and uh, if you want to look extra hard um, in those videos, you might even see... Not me, because I'm not going to be there, and I'm excited about it. <laughs> I was it. like, where is he going with this? <laughs> That's how I feel most of the time I start a sentence, but um, not to bury the lead, we do have a special guest on today. <gasps> yes, we have a very special guest today. So uh, we teased a little bit last week. We were very excited because we were supposed to have an Imagineer come on and talk about Galaxy's Edge. Uh, he's super awesome. Unfortunately, due to work, <laughs> um, he was not able to come, but... 
With that said, we have probably the biggest Star Wars fan I know. Um, he is a sci-fi writer um, here out in Los Angeles. He's awesome, and he um, watches too much Star Wars and plays too many Star Wars games. So with that said, we have the awesome Andrew here today. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing all right, Andrew. Uh, I, first, I'm going to take issue with Kelly throwing shade about bringing a guest on and be like, plays too many Star Wars games and watch too much Star Wars. Actually, um, he has this like really fancy speaker at his house and he's like, okay. And of course, to show me the speaker, we had to use the intro to Star Wars. That's, that's great. I love it. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. It was Dolby Atmos and all the uh, Disney Plus is compatible with Atmos now. And so that was like their big thing is that all the old Star Wars movies are all compatible with it. So That's awesome. Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I, I'm, lo- I'm learning stuff already. That's the reason. I mean, I definitely am obsessed with that speak, but that's the reason why I got it. Literally, I, when I saw that all the old movies were compatible with Atmos, I was like, okay, I need Atmos now in my house. <laughs> that's great. I love it. So, a uh, little backstory. Uh, Andrew, tell us who you are. Who are you? Uh, where to begin? Where to begin? So, I, like Kelly said in the intro, I am a uh, writer, write film and TV uh, out in LA. I've been doing that for probably seven years now, about seven years. Um, before that, I worked in production all the time. So I worked for David Fincher and Michael Mann. So bounced around on sets, music videos, uh, films, TV, commercials, all that kind of jazz. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love sci-fi. Grew up with sci-fi. And the, the, actually the very first script I sold to kind of get me out of working for Michael Mann was I sold a sci-fi pilot. And that That's kind of cool. like, yeah, broke me into the, the world of, you know, this is all you can do, which... Not a bad thing, I feel like, but... Yeah, know. no, that's awesome. Uh, can you... I don't know if you can tell us. Can you tell us, like, did, did anything happen with the, with the pilot? Did it... Yeah, so we... The, the, the pilot ended up selling to uh, a studio, and we were probably really close to getting a series order actually at Sci-Fi, and we got tanked by... I think I'd say this now, by The Expanse. Oh, Because The Expanse sure. was about to come out. Gotcha. And they couldn't have two competing projects. And The Expanse had a book series behind it. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. That yeah. seems rude. <laughs> they should seem rude. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. The Expanse is great. I mean, The Expanse is... It is. Yeah. People like yeah. The Expanse quite a bit. Yeah. The best, probably the best hardcore space sci-fi on TV right now. Really? Yeah. Well, it's very... Uh, you know, uh, what a stand-up guy is able to come on and be like, you know what, Expanse probably... But, you know, it's a good show. So that's great. It is. I mean, I... If it was horrible, I'd tell you. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, but you also are big into you, Star Trek, right? That was a big thing, in addition to Star Wars, obviously, which we'll get to. But Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's, it's, it was actually JJ kind of had the same thing, where when, you know, when he was uh, doing Star Trek, he was a big Star Wars fan. Oh, interesting. And so they got him to do Star Trek. He knew nothing about Star Trek. And they had uh, Alex Kurtzman and Bob Orsi were actually the, the two writers on it. They were huge Star Trek nerds. And so I actually... I, you know, I've watched some of the Star Trek movies and stuff like that, but I wasn't really into Star Trek as a kid, and, and I'd watched kind of a few episodes here and there, but some of my friends were actually working with this video game company, and they called me up because they knew my love of Star Wars, and they're like, look, we need a, a creative on this. Do you mind helping us out writing all these spots and, and kind of crafting the narrative for this Star Trek uh, video game, this mobile game? And I said, sure. I kind of lied to them because I was like, I wanted to help them. So I was like, yeah, I know all about Star of Trek. Of course, yeah. I mean, you have to. <laughs> and I got it, you know, I did like the whole, you know, cramming before the big test. Uh, right. But yeah, I, I did, I've done a, a bunch of those now for uh, Star Trek Fleet Command. It's like a mobile game. And I'm pretty, Kelly knows this, but I'm pretty ashamed to say that I got obsessed with the game and the story 
as I was working on it. And so I feel like any kind of like, you know, money I earned doing that, I put right back into the game buying (laughs) stuff. I feel like they knew that, right? They're like, "Ah, we're not really going to pay him anything because he's actually just going to pay us that money. (laughs) (laughs) A very, a very specific marketing campaign that they went on. But, you know, if it worked out, it worked out. That's funny. Um, What's it like uh, to, uh, not to take over, I'm just curious, what's it like to uh, write video games? How's that different? Video games, well, you know, so I did the commercials, so it's a little different for video games, but I do know uh, the biggest thing between writing kind of anything, you know, prose or film and TV versus video games is that video games, especially modern day video games, they have so many different outcomes you could have based on what action the scripts tend to be like something insane, like 15,000 pages long. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because you can, and there's all the kind of like the NPCs in the background that have their own dialogue and stuff like that. And when you're playing the game, you don't think about it. But if you actually, as a writer, stop to think, someone actually has to craft these lines and craft these mini storylines, even though they're only, you know, five minutes in the game, that's all a couple pages. And yeah. so it adds up. And at a certain point too, a lot of those, like regardless of the outcome, have to tie back into the larger narrative too. So it's like you can't, can't go too crazy with it, I'm sure. That sounds pretty wild. Well, I mean, you can, then you just have a really bad video game. Okay, well, uh, fair, <laughs> fair point, fair point. Yeah, yeah, which I've played some of those, so. Well, jumping back in a little bit to Star Wars, um, so what was your history with Star Wars? Have you loved it since you were a kid? Yeah, I mean, I loved it since I was a kid. I actually don't, and I was thinking about this before I came on the podcast, I don't remember the first time I watched a Star Wars movie but I do remember being probably about four years old and being obsessed with Star Wars. And so I couldn't tell you what movie I saw, what scene grabbed me. I kind of became infatuated with lightsabers. <laughs> I mean, who wasn't? I was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I loved it. And, you know, I mean, I think as you get older, you kind of realize why you love certain things. Um, and so looking back on it, I mean, I think it's it's kind of the classic story with Star Wars, right? I, I personally was attached to Luke Skywalker and that storyline. And you think about A New Hope and you think about what that story is. I mean, Luke is kind of just this average kid, right? Living on a farm, dreaming of, of, of better things out there in the universe. You know, this big wide galaxy beyond what he knows. And that's kind of like all of us, right? And so that, I feel like that's what sparked me to it. Kind of the, the possibilities that that universe presented. And so I just, you know, loved it ever since. And obviously, I mean... You know, lightsabers and Jedi and the Millennium Falcon and Han Solo, that's all great. But I think at the core, what Star Wars is, that's why it was so successful is because it resonated with so many people just based on on that feeling. Yeah, that's great. That makes sense. I mean, I, I know as a kid, obviously, I was big. Not obviously. I was also big into Star Wars. But um, another property that I really enjoyed was Ender's Game, which is another like sci-fi and the same kind of like you have your your kid that's kind of uh, just an average kid. And all of a sudden, one day, it's like, you're not that average, actually. And you're like, I'm not that average either. <laughs> like, maybe <laughs> I am big. Yeah. So I get it. It's cool. I mean, it's a dream, right? You wake yeah. up one day and it's like, oh, actually, you have superpowers. Yeah. And here's a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> You'll know what to do with it. And you're like, oh, Corey. Yeah. And I sure. do know because I am above average. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Andrew, do you have a favorite Star Wars IP? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Empire is by far the best movie, but it, based on what I said before, I think that A New Hope is just my personal favorite just because that, I mean, that it captures such a, a feeling that I think that you can only get from the first part of that story. And you see that in kind of any franchise. And, you know, I think another nice thing about New Hope is that, at least for me, I mean, it moves at such a pace. Like when you actually think about that story, like it just, it's nonstop. I mean, Luke 
the second he meets Obi Wan, they go on that journey. It's just kind of never ending until he blows up the Death Star. It's yeah. like one wild ride. Yeah. I felt like that's the opposite of how I felt about Phantom Menace. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I and I, you know, don't want to hate on it because there was a lot of fun parts to it. But yeah, I mean, A New Hope is like a perfect movie. Like it's fun. It's you know, I feel like there's so many movies that try to be that. You know, like they like. That's like a, a Bible for a lot of different people as they create these out of the world uh, stories as the writer. I could be wrong, but that's my opinion. <laughs> I love how you started that. You and started that sentence with a lot of confidence. And by the end of it, you're like, yeah. please, someone tell me yeah. I'm right. I was like, he's kind of looking at me like, you're the writer. What do you think? <laughs> no, but I mean, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, as much as it pains me to say, you're, <laughs> you're, you're totally right about it. I mean, it's, it's kind of... A New Hope is one of the the classic examples that when you're learning how to write screenplays and structure that they point to. And the reason why is actually, I mean, everyone knows it now, but, you know, George Lucas was very much into Joseph Campbell and, and kind of the hero's journey. And so it was all these archetypes that have been going on for generations and generations, you know, millennia of storytelling. And he infused all of that into, you know, Luke's journey and, and A New Hope. And that's why it works so well. It's It's kind of, you know, things that have resonated with society since the beginning of storytelling, you know, beginning of spoken words. So. Right. And is that why um, when episode seven came out, they just redid that movie? Uh, they were like, New Hope was great. Let's just redo it. And Honest, I was here for it. I, I was super I, down I for actually it. really enjoyed it. I'm not talking <laughs> crap about episode seven. It was a fun one. And like, it, it, in, in a way, I think it worked really well to reset the franchise, which was like, and I, I think I teared up twice during it. So I get it. It worked for me, you know. <laughs> Well, they oh, had I, the same right. Well, now Larry Kazan didn't write New Hope, but he wrote Empire. So Larry Kazan was on Force Awakens with Michael Arndt and JJ. So I'm sure a lot of that was also him. Of course, pulling from what he did, you know, yeah. originally. That makes sense. Uh, for any of you listening, it's kind of funny because like the way you speak, Andrew, so casually, like dropping these names that are like, you know, maybe not everybody knows. Um, but as a writer, these are people that obviously, you know, them, you know, these names well, because you look up with, to them or you've worked with them or something, you know, like there's some capacity. I think that's yeah. funny. <laughs> that's uh, de- definitely is. <laughs> so there's a, a, a funny story. I was actually, I forget where I was, but I was there and I was with, um, my, my reps at the time and Larry Kazan was in the same waiting, waiting room. And so like my immediate reaction was, I want to make a beeline to go talk to Larry Kasdan. And there was, I don't remember who it was, but there was some like Victoria's Secret supermodel in the same waiting room. <laughs> and my reps, the agents all went over to her. And I was like, this is the difference between you and me, right? Like, I'm going to go talk to Larry Kasdan, you know, like the, the 70 year old, you know, guy in the corner kind of by himself. And you're That's making awesome. a beeline for the supermodel. That's very funny. Um, well, what do you think makes you such a big Star Wars fan? Um, the fact that I've, I don't know how much money I've wasted <laughs> on Star Wars merch and, and, and things that I that I convince myself that I need. Um, okay, well, off that, what's your like? What's your favorite piece of memorabilia, Star Wars memorabilia, or merch that you've purchased, or something like that? It's got to be the lightsaber from Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, that's fair. I don't have one yeah. yet, but I've I've made a point to uh, if and when my dad comes out to visit sometime because. We watched Star Wars when I was younger. So it's kind of a thing that we appreciated. It's like, I'm taking you there. We're getting lightsabers. It's going to be too expensive, but it's fine. It'll be fun. I'm very excited to to do that. 100% worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if we would jump in this uh, quickly about Galaxy's Edge, but we're here. So we kind of have to talk about it. Um, Galaxy's Edge is amazing. 
Uh, don't worry, we're going to get to the history and the building of it and uh, in a future episode. But can you walk us through Galaxy's Edge from your perspective? Yeah, so the first time I went to Galaxy's Edge was during the preview period. So they were doing, I think it was like four hour windows because they, you know, I, I think I assume they were trying to kind of, you know, work the kinks out, but they're also, I think, just seeing the, the demand because they thought originally that it was going to be insane. And it kind of was, I think, at the start. But uh, I remember, so making it a point of, I don't know, you know, how many people, probably everybody who's listening to this podcast has probably been to Galaxy's Edge, but I remember making it a point that I wanted to enter through the, I guess it'd be on the south side, uh, that entrance, because that's the one where you walk through and they had, it kind of felt the most immersive. Mm-hmm. You're not thrown into it immediately. They had kind of the slow buildup. You you lose all kind of the, the sights and sounds of the park and they have kind of this ambient, you know, almost jungle noise that plays up. And you slowly walk through until you kind of come up to uh, the X-Wing that's sitting there. And it's kind of this slow build. And that's what I wanted because I feel like, you know, the anticipation, because I, I don't remember how long it took them to build it. I mean, it must have been years. But once they announced it, I know myself, like millions and millions of other Star Wars fans were immediately kind of had the date circle like oh when is this opening i need to go immediately to go see this and and, uh, and you're specifically talking about disneyland yeah disneyland yeah i haven't yeah. been to the one in orlando okay yeah um i mean it does feel like it it makes the the way you described it there is is very accurate for anyone that hasn't been it does feel like you're not in the parks anymore and it, it takes them a second to get you there but that's all part of the process of like you're no longer here and now you're in this uh you're on batu is that what it is right mm-hmm. yeah 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 and now you're like on in the star wars universe and you're not going to see mickey here you're gonna this is going to be our other stuff i'm not sorry i have to go on this like little tangent because i have to um so this is why california adventure had so many issues initially because disney as you're describing it look at how just that immersive entrance like how impactful that is that you've escaped another place and you're in this land and you can't see anything else around you and with everywhere else they did that they made sure that you felt like you're in this land you're in this place and when they did uh california adventure they were just like it's kind of you can see the like anaheim convention center over there here's some hotels hanging out like they just like did not care yeah and completely losing that disney experience so They've obviously done a much better job about building up barriers so you don't see as much. And with Cars Land, amazing. But I just had to comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for you to go on tangents, like I, based on one of your last episodes, I've been on Superstar Limo. (laughs) Oh my God. uh, Sorry, guys. Star Wars is over. (laughs) Yeah, Star Wars is, yeah. We're having to take a sidestep. Tell me. Do you remember it? I don't remember. The sad thing is I don't remember much of it because it wasn't like I was, it was something that obviously I had circled, oh, I got to you know, right. go on this ride. <laughs> it was just, it just so happened that I, I don't remember how old I was, but I was going on a family trip and they just opened California Adventure and that was one of the rides. Sure. So I, I, I remember it being really weird, kind of being there as, I must have been a teenager, late teens or something, or middle teens. I don't remember, but. 2001? Yeah. 2001, yeah. So early teens. I made myself seem a little bit older. <laughs> but I, I remember just being on the ride. And it it was so not Disney. And it was so weird. And it was so creepy. I just remember the animatronics were just really just... It felt like you were in some, some kind of like puppeteer horror show. <laughs> I feel like that's a good way to describe it. I said it felt like a weird Tim Burton... Like, like in the pictures and videos I watched. Obviously, I never went on it. But... Oh, yeah, man. It's, I think it's appropriate that, like, you went on it and you're like, I kind of remember parts of it. Because, I mean, it didn't get 
it didn't get removed because it was too controversial or too crazy. It was like, it's pretty boring. So it's like, like back, they got rid of it. Yeah, it literally, the whole thing was that it made guest experience worse. Yeah. That's what yeah, they yeah. said. So, yeah. man, I can't believe you went on it. Um, are you a Disney fan? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I admittedly became a much bigger Disney fan once they made, I think, probably the two smartest IP buys ever. You the know, Star Wars and Marvel? Marvel and Lucasfilm. What about Pixar? Mm-hmm. I, d- I do like Pixar. I actually, I like Pixar movies a lot. Um, and I, d- you know, I think every kid you grow up and you have your, your parents are, watch this Disney movie, watch that Disney movie. So I watched all the classics. Uh, I vividly remember, is Bambi a Disney movie? Yes. Okay, Bambi, I vividly remember being five years old, watching Bambi in kindergarten. And some, you know, during the forest fire, another kid, decided that he wanted to try to put out the forest fire by peeing. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the impact Disney has, you know. Yeah, changing lives everywhere. That's All right, great. let's get back on the path to Batu. So so the first thing you see is the X-Wing. Yeah, if you come in that entrance. And, you know, I mean, that that alone, I mean, seeing a full-size, if you're a fan of Star Wars, seeing a full-size X, and I think that's, if, if you haven't been there, all the stuff that's in there, the X-Wings they have, the Millennium Falcon. Uh, there's other stuff. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't been there, but on Rise of the Resistance, it's all to scale. So just seeing that stuff to scale is insane. You know, even if it's not fully functional. I mean, so once you see that X-Wing, it's like, and I think when, when, when I came in, uh, Chewbacca was, you know, going by too, which was kind of a nice, you know, added touch. He was running away from the... Uh, the troopers. Um, yeah, because there's like stormtroopers everywhere. Yeah, which is great. And they interact with you and they'll like search your bags. Uh, one of the nice things was when I went the first time, and I've been multiple times after that, but when I went the first time, because it was a four-hour window, they also had the reduced capacity. And so it really, like the, the immersive experience was way more because there weren't just, you know, throngs of people kind of passing about. And I feel like too, at the time, everybody who was all the, the cast members that were there it was much easier for them to stay in character. Because I've heard that. I've heard that, like, yeah. you know, I've, I've only been for a very brief amount of time. I haven't really explored a lot. But I've heard that, like, cast members will very much be in character as, like, a part of the rebellion force and, like, come up and, like, whisper things to you or whatever. And, and Or, like, the stormtroopers will be going around and being, like, put that camera down and whatever they might be. So um, it makes sense, like, especially, like, the first the first group of people coming through or the first uh, appointments, weeks of appointments, that kind of stuff. I think they probably are much more on their game during that. Yeah. They, I, another thing that I think is cool is like Ray will often find a little kid and like they have to hide and they like are like, you know, being chased. Right. So they're like going through random parts of the park or like, um, that's a little ageism by the way. <laughs> I'm kind of just Andrew like, wants to hide yeah. too. I'm like, come on. Yeah. I'm here. I want to be part of the rebellion. You're going to pick the little kid. The little kid can't help you out. Those stormtroopers come over. What's the little kid going to do? I can lift a lot more than he yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. There's, they do a really good job of making this air, like this space just so, even like the, the grounds, the concrete, like they have the different droid and animal characters, like footprints or track marks on That's the ground. Cool. And the, well, the sound too, right? Because they have, You'll be walking through at times and there'll be, I remember the first time it freaked me out a bit because the sound was so good, but you'll hear uh, like a TIE fighter or an X-Wing streaking overhead. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that's the, uh, that's over there too. And that Kylo Ren comes out. Yeah. 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 What's that look like? Because I've, I've heard about that. Like Kylo Ren will come out and do like a thing or, or maybe it's just like a, a someone that just walks around and isn't intimidating. I don't know. But did you guys have any experiences when you've been there? 
Well, there's two. So they have the, by the Imperial shuttle, they'll do like a whole, I don't know how often they do it, but they'll do a whole show uh, where he arrives and he comes out, you know, with his guard and then they start wandering through Batu. Uh, and then at other points, he'll be wandering through with stormtroopers and interact with people. And actually, one thing I don't know, and I don't know if either of you know through your research, I feel like all the lines that he says or the stormtroopers say are pre-recorded. They must be. I'm not sure because it, it, it all is is always the same. And it, it I don't know if there's any way they can change their voice, you know, like live when they're saying things. But. I don't know. But uh, but anytime I've seen like videos of, of, of a Kylo Ren interaction, I'm like, it actually kind of sounds like him, too. So like maybe they are pre-recorded. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, if they just have their go to lines that they use and give them the freedom. If I were if I were in that role, I would want to have the control to be able to say things. Otherwise, I'm just walking around quiet all day. That sounds terrible. So but I don't know. I'm not sure, but I know like the Transformers at Universal, it sound they sound like a Transformer, but they're able to say things based on who you are. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they just kind of stuck to their same script, but if they were really saying things. And then maybe some stuff is like pre-programmed or I don't know. And we have we have found research in, in, in some of the instances in the parks where like with like the Mr. Potato Head or where there's a time when like yes. for the most part when you're like in the queue and it seems like they're saying something that's vaguely related to you, but you're not really sure. And that's kind of the bit that occasionally like actual cast members will go in and, and get more specific just to mess with with people so yeah like, it's all pre-recorded but like they have a ton of stuff that the cast members can like make them say so it makes it feel like they're talking to you yeah that's pretty cool i mean yeah there's that one video i don't know if you've seen it that is hilarious and I, I, that leads me to believe that you're probably both right where they have a ton of options where they can kind of uh, interact with people because there's one video where some you know guy just built his lightsaber and he's feeling really good about himself walking out of savvy's workshop and he lights it up as the stormtroopers walk by and they, you know, kind of look at him and they turn around and one of the stormtroopers just says, uh, you know, something like, you know, it, there's only one galaxy or one Jedi left in the galaxy and it's not you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I like that quite a bit. Um, I, I want to hear about the lightsaber building experience because I haven't done it, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, take me through it. It, it seems very cool. I've seen pictures. I've seen some videos, but like... You're going to cry. I believe that. It's um, amazing. But make me cry on air. Okay. Walk us through it. So well, when I, so when I went, uh, when I built the lightsaber, I didn't actually know if I was going to do it. So like at the time, they didn't have reservations or anything like that. It was basically at the start of your window, if you wanted to do uh, any of the big things. And they didn't have Rise of the Resistance open yet. It was just Smuggler's Run, the Cantina, and the uh, lightsaber and droid building were the, kind of the two biggest things. And if you wanted to do any of those, you basically had to, at the start of your window, run up and get in line. And so, you know, ran up, got in line, uh, got the time slot to come back. Um, but it's super cool. So it starts out, you're outside Sabi's workshop, and you'll go up to the, the kind of place where you, where you check in and pay, but they're all in character. So you're not asking to build a lightsaber. You're here for, I think they say, scrap parts. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all kind of, you know, uh, undercover. Yeah. And they give you four styles that you can choose from. I think it's... Peace and justice. I might be butchering this. Protection and defense, power and control, and elemental nature. Great. Um, and you basically pick, you know, whatever your your theme is going to be. And so, the you know, you do that before you go in, and they'll send you kind of to a holding area, and they uh, they give you a pin. And so you put the pin on. That's how you, they know what theme you've picked. Oh, uh, smart. Yeah, but like, so the real party starts when they they call you inside, and you're kind of you go into this. Um, it, it, it does all feel like very rebellion. You're in this like kind of like underground, you know, studio where they're, they're trying to, you know, put together all these, you know, scrap parts and you look around, there's scrap metal and everything. The doors slide open. 
and they surround you in this workshop and they're, they're rushing you in. They're like, you know, we got to go fast. We got to go fast. You, uh, you know, you have to get in here. And they start to do uh, one of kind of the lead builders will come out and, you know, he or she will start to give the whole speech about, you know, it's dark times in the galaxy. You know, you, you're all here. I love you know, it. I'm in. But with, you know, one little spark of hope, you know, you could start a rebellion and they start playing the music. And that, that's the first time that I started to, you know, they start yeah. playing the music and, and, and granted, I before I went into this, I was at Ogus Cantina, so I definitely sure. you know, sampled a few drinks. <laughs> yeah, so I was, you know, feeling feeling really good about myself, feeling a little loose. And I can't wait. <laughs> and so, you know, they they do that and they um they run you through it and they they kind of they they pull out I don't know what you'd call it. It, it looks like a lantern, but it kind of a, is a holder for all the the kyber crystals. Mm. And you know, they're doing they're saying you know pick whatever, you know, color speaks to you, you know, you, you'll feel it call to you. And so I, I picked green, uh, you know, Yoda, I guess. Sure. And then you, they'll bring out all your parts and it's, it's, it's kind of really cool. So like you get different selections within whatever build you decided and you are basically, you know, for the next five to 10 minutes, you are, uh, assembling your lightsaber. And I didn't know how much time I had to do this. So I was kind of just throwing it together thinking like, Oh my God, like, you know, the first order's outside. Like, I got I to gotta get this together. Go. Yeah, I mean, Kylo Ren's going to bust in here any minute. Ray's got that kid. <laughs> yeah, Ray's right. not going to do anything. Exactly. I if if I come out with a lightsaber, Ray's going to pick <laughs> right. me for right. sure. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, that's the one piece of advice I gave to anybody. You have way more time than you think you have that's to kind of put together whatever lightsaber build you want. Uh, but, but it's so awesome. You're doing it. And every, uh, the best part about it is if you're going to spend the money to do it, it means you're a hardcore fan. Yeah. So when I looked oh, sure. around, it was a bunch of just, it wasn't kids, it was adults. Of course. Like me, you know, kind yeah. of all misty-eyed. I started to laugh. So I'm like, this is kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you're all, you know, everyone's trying to hold back tears and stuff. And then, you know, have you all raise your lightsabers at the end when you build it. And, uh, but right before they do that, you know, Yoda speaks and they kind of, you know, gives you the whole, you know, the force and all that. You know, you're a Jedi and, or, you know, Sith, if you chose to go sure. to the dark side. And, uh, but my favorite part I have to say is outside of turning on the lightsaber is when you walk outside of Savi's, at least for me, and I think every time I've seen someone else build it, there's people waiting outside because they want to see, I don't know if they're so excited sure. to see the expression on everyone's face as they walk out yeah. with their newly built lightsabers, yeah. you know, hold them to the sky. And if you do it, I would recommend doing it later at night. So you, so you walk out. Yeah, that's, oh, that's smart. That's awesome. That's, I mean, that. You did a great job describing it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting misty. I'm thinking I know. about it. I was like, oh, I'm so excited now. It's one of the. But it's very rare that on this podcast, I will admit to be like actually excited to go to the parks. But I'm I'm excited for <laughs> Edge at least. It is. I mean, it is really cool. I I made two. I don't know if I even want to admit that. And it's partially like I part of me wishes you could pay like a certain amount of money just to go and build it, and then like even if you had to give it back. I don't know, like, but then I wouldn't want to give it back, so I'm probably lying as I speak. But it's just like so fun and cool to build one, and like, you feel so like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel. Like, I feel like uh, if you could give it back, it would actually make me less excited about building because I'm like, well, somebody else has probably already built these pieces versus like. Yeah, you know, I, I take it own. back as I was saying it, yeah, yeah. but and then I did like after I made it, I just ran around the park like I was a five year old, like like. You know, making because it, it when you move it, it makes noises like as if you're battling and stuff. And and every single kyber crystal has a different hum, <laughs> so they cool. all sound different. Wow. All the sounds are different. And when you like as if you were hitting something, um, like my yellow, my purple will flash yellow, and then my yellow will flash purple. Um, you said you have green. What what is your green flash? Do you know, I think green flashes yellow. I also have a white and a red. 
when I'm feeling a little. Mm. Oh. Yeah, got it. You have to. Um, and then with the red ones, there is like occasionally a black kyber crystal hidden. I've heard. I've, I've heard about that. The red one. Yes, I did go with a group of friends once who thought like, you know, we just got to go for it and bought like a tub of them and then realized that was a bad idea. And I didn't realize how much money I just spent. And then they returned them. But I thought it was funny <laughs> that they were like, you're just going to buy all of them. And the woman was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's very Is funny. that like the first time in the history of Disney they've been like, wait, are you sure you want to make this purchase? Exactly. Honestly, probably. <laughs> um, That's very cool. Well, people I... got in trouble for that too, because there was for a time you could shine a light through it you could figure out which one was was a black kyber crystal and which one was just a standard red and so everyone started to do that so they had to kind of go back to their suppliers and change the plastic covering i guess they they do um they have yellow kyber crystals is that right yeah mm-hmm. okay i was gonna say because i could see them i was trying to wonder like what the light side comparison would be and i could see them leaning into like ray's lightsabers yellow so maybe we make that's the that the special one um but i guess not since they already have well those some available. of them you do have to purchase separately so when you're in savvy's workshop you can only get Purple, blue, green, red. And then, right? Yeah, and then white and yellow. You could buy every other color that you want at Savvy's, but white and yellow you can't get. Or sorry, you could buy them at Doc Onders, which is where you go to get all the kind of legacy lightsabers and kyber crystals. But inside Savvy's, you get those colors minus white and yellow. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I mean, that sounds fun. It is so cool. Did you build um, a droid too? I did. I did build a droid, uh, which was was very, very cool, very fun. I highly recommend. I feel like the droids, um, they're, I love my droid. So it's a little kind of R2 unit. Uh, R2 Beep Boop is his name. Great. Uh, <laughs> they're fan, I mean, they're awesome to have. They're fantastic. I feel like, you know, Savvy's is definitely geared towards the adults. And I feel like Droid Depot then is is kind of, you know, what the, the, the moms and dads take their kids to. Yeah. It does seem that way. It's still pricey, though. I mean, to build a droid is uh, is $99. Okay. With no annual pass discount. They do not take those credits there. Well, they can't. I mean, it's bought, too. They don't know what annual pass is. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. Any sort of, like, Easter eggs that you found super cool that that are up there that that someone like me who has some background in Star Wars but hasn't been to Galaxy's Edge yet could, like, go look for when they first get there? Well, I mean, I would say something that would be cool is just the interactions you can have. So if you go up and, you know, like the greeting is like rising, rising moons. And then they say back, I don't remember something about the suns, but like their, their whole, you know, customary, uh, greeting there. So if you say that everyone, all the cast members will say that back to you, but also just like knowing where you are in the place and where, what the cast members, like who they're supposed to be playing in this kind of, you know, this role. So like, for instance, once I built my, my lightsaber, I went back to the cantina <laughs> to go meet my friends. I'm shocked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, everyone wanted to see it. So I turned it on and, uh, one of the, you know, the, the, the cast members there who was, you know, supposed to be like, you know, a worker at Oga's Cantina was wiping down tables, saw me turn on the lightsaber, dropped his towel, ran away and said, I don't want any trouble. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. I mean, they're really committed. It's really fun. Uh, what, it, so what is Olga's like? Uh, it's awesome. So it looks, it, it looks kind of like, I would say a modern day upgrade on, the original, the famous cantina, uh, you know, that everyone remembers from A New Hope. And it's, I mean, it's super fun. I mean, it's, so they have the, basically everything's kind of structured around the, the center bar and they have, uh, 
Rex, DJ Rex, who... DJ, that's what I was going to bring yep. up. I, DJ Rex is my favorite. <laughs> who used to be, that's an Easter egg. He used to be the uh, the pilot on uh, Star Tours. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was um, built and designed, though, by our Imagineers, and we know that because of our friend. What are what drinks do they have? Or was there any drink or food uh, in Galaxy's Edge that you just are like, yo, if you're going, you have to get it? Like, Because there's the green and blue milk, too. Yeah, they have the green and blue milk. Um I mean, everyone loves the Ronto wrap. Oh yeah, everyone loves is, the Ronto wrap. That's all anybody talks about. I like the Ronto wrap. Yeah, I but I, I guess I don't get the like the obsession like I have for like the churro milkshake over mm. at, at DCA, which is. Oh yeah, you talk about that churro milkshake a lot because it's like the greatest. <laughs> it's probably the greatest food item I've ever had in my life. Good to know. Good wow, to know. that's a, that's a confident statement. Was there a drink at Olga's that you'd recommend people get? Yeah, I mean, they're all you know, they're all you can definitely tell that they've put a lot of time and thought into the, the drinks there. I wish there was more food. Um, there's not very many food options at Oga's, but the drink I would say, if you're going to get one drink, and if it's going to be an alcoholic drink, do the fuzzy tauntaun because it's it's fun. So okay. like the whole idea with the fuzzy tauntaun is that it, uh, whatever kind of, you know, in the Star Wars mythology that they mix into the drink, it's uh, supposed to, you know, kind of make your, your face numb. And so you get, when you drink the fuzzy tauntaun, I don't know what they put into it to make it happen, but you do feel like a tingle. Huh. on your lips and your tongue and it's yeah. like pop rocks <laughs> that's what it kind of like <laughs> seems like i mean it's probably like the cheap version of anybody yeah, yeah yeah that sounds cool i haven't had it but i've watched people get it and it's always like they're like no my tongue my tongue <laughs> like everyone gets you know, very like, excited away from me yes that's funny alternatively though if you're a collector you have to get the yub nub okay so the Yub Nub comes with a mug that is supposed to be carved by Ewoks, and it depicts the Battle of Endor. Very it. cool. Yeah. Super yeah. cool. Totally worth it. I mean, I forget how much it is. It's pricey, but you do get to keep that glass. Yeah. So it's totally worth it. Great. I like that. I, I, I feel like one of the things I've learned about Galaxy's Edge here are bring extra money and make sure you book a lot of stuff in advance if possible. But I'm excited for it. All of that is very, very accurate. Yeah. Um, make sure one of uh, somebody told me once in... I think it's amazing if you go to Galaxy's Edge, you don't get the music of the fireworks, but being able to see the fireworks from Galaxy's Edge looks so cool. Oh, I bet so. Um, it feels like you're there's a war going on or yeah. something. Like you're in it. It's very immersive. Nice. Um, yeah, I think Galaxy's Edge is a beautiful, like very um, interesting oasis within the Disney property that doesn't feel very Disney. But it's done by Disney, so it's done very well. It almost, to me, feels like um, if I were to go there, it, it, it just feels like completely separate from the rest of the Disney experience based on how you guys are describing it. It's like, I I am interested in going to Galaxy's Edge. Also, I think going back to Disneyland would be fun. But like to me, those feel like two different experiences. Like I want to go experience Galaxy's Edge on its own. Um, and then if I'm doing Disney stuff around it, that's great. Or... Vice versa, go to Disney and then like, oh, I want to take a dip in and see the Star Wars people. Okay, cool. Now back to my regularly scheduled Haunted Mansion. But I get that. that Because when you go back there, you end up wanting to spend a lot of time. I mean, as Disney like expands and keeps adding these more immersive worlds, you could just walk around and chill. I feel that way about Pandora too, the Avatar Land. And so like you, you know, I often bring my own food. And so I'd, I love just sitting in Galaxy's Edge and eating my sandwich and people watching and just hanging out. And it feels a lot quieter than some of the parts of the park. So it's a really nice getaway. Um, I agree with that. I think that you could just have a whole day where you just hang out in Galaxy's Edge very easily. 
Yeah, when I think that with even just doing everything that you can do. So if you if you you know built a droid, did the lightsaber, went to all the shops, rode the rides at Oga, Oga's Cantina, that I I almost feel like that would be like three quarters of your day at Disney because there's so much to do and there's so many. Even like when you walk through, like one of my favorite things is to walk through the shops and to see how, like all the stuff that you can waste money on. Like I do. of course, yeah, because uh, <laughs> like they thought everything through like to a T it's it's insane like they have in at Doc Onders this is what I always tell my friends like this is how detailed they are you can buy from Empire Strikes Back the little uh lantern that Yoda tries to steal from Luke oh cool and you know and then he gives it to him and he lets him take it but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and it's priced I think it's like $15 it's priced just right to where it's like I have no use for this right but it's only $15 yeah. Uh, sure. okay let's yeah. do it that's funny now the oh, those Disney folks and they're smart. I don't know what they're doing. It's annoying. <laughs> they have all my money. I definitely spend most of my money at Disney. I, I know everyone that. listening is yeah. shocked, utterly shocked. Jaws dropped across the nation. Um, is there any last little tidbit that you'd want anyone visiting Galaxy's Edge to know? I would just say that I feel like if you you know, obviously people go to Disney and they want to see the entire park and do DCA and they don't have too much time there. If you had to pick kind of a time slot to go, I would say Galaxy's Edge is far more immersive in the evening, at night. Uh, just with everything lit up and then you see people with the lightsabers and you, you know, when you walk by the Millennium Falcon and all the lights are on, it just looks better. Not to say that it doesn't look good at, at, during the day, but if you had to pick one time, I would that say do sense. it later in the day. Gotcha. Good to know. Yeah. Very good to know. We we just talked about sort of where you think Galaxy Edge should fit in the day towards the evening because there's more stuff there. So we can kind of skip the where does it fit in your day type of thing. Um, I'll say this. I think that this could work. Uh, as you're leaving the park, you have yet to go, um, but you feel like, you know, you're on your way out. It's been a full day. The park is about to close. Do you stop and swing through Galaxy's Edge just to take a look at it? Even if you know the shops are going to be closed, you're not going to get a chance to go on any rides, but you just kind of want to experience it. Is that a, is that a thing you would you would do? Yeah, I would say totally. I mean, you know, even if you don't get to go on any of the rides or, or go into any of the shops, you still get to see, you know, Millennium Falcon. You still get to see, you know, the Imperial Shuttle, the X-Wing. So that's, you know, worth the price of admission. Um, but I would definitely say plan the day because Rise of the Resistance, you need to do the boarding queue. And that is, I mean, that that's the star attraction, I yeah. think, just at Disneyland, period. It so, does seem that way. Yeah, yeah. and anything goes without saying if even though you have to book it if for whatever reason there was a 10 minute wait to get on. It's like, yeah, of course I'm going to go do that. That's a no brainer. Yeah, yeah. I think even if there's, you know, a 25, 30 minute wait. Sure. Cause that line without the boarding queue, I don't know. It'd probably be two hours plus easy. That makes sense. Easy. And then, uh, and then last, uh, what is it? And I think both of you guys can answer this. Um, we'll start with Kelly. Cause I feel like you have a better answer already geared up. Uh, what do you think, if you if you could change anything about Galaxy's Edge, what would you change? Uh, well, mine is selfish. Um, more Kelly-friendly food. So Andrew probably Ooh. has a better answer already ready. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, so at the, at the restaurant, which, you know, I think Disney World does such a better job with dining. But at the Disneyland restaurant, originally they had this like spork that you could eat. It was just like they gave you one utensil that was kind of like a spork. And I think it had like a pointy edge on the other side. And I went one time um, with one of my friends and he stole it. And which is very, I was a little surprised. Um, and then 
like he was mad at me because I he like had stole it like or maybe I stole it. Anyways, somehow and then he got mad and he was like, Yeah, I'm just gonna throw this away. And I was like, and then they were going online for like three hundred dollars. And I was like, No. Um, and because people were stealing these utensils, um, Galaxy Z doesn't have them anymore. So you would bring back the utensils? Yeah, I'd bring back the so utensils. Asking Kelly what she would change is some of my favorite stuff because we get classics like <laughs> uh more food for me and bring back utensils. <laughs> But I mean, but that, you know, in all honesty, that was a huge thing because when, especially during the preview period, people were just buying stuff, throwing it on eBay and no one had oh, any access sure. to the place. And so they were spending just exorbitant amounts of money on this, on this stuff. Even Ogas, they had to uh, start hiding the menus oh, because people would take the menus and pocket them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Pretty crazy. All right. What would you change? So I think that, you know, being a fan of, you know, starting from Star Wars, from A New Hope and all that, I think that, you know, when, when Galaxy's Edge opened, I think that there were certain people that were, and I wasn't, but I think there were certain people that were disappointed by it a bit. And I think that that goes back to the fact that when everyone thinks Star Wars, they think about kind of the classic stuff. And I understand why, and I think it's great to have it immersive. And so you kind of have to do it in the timeline of the universe where you are now. And that's why it's set on Batu, you know, kind of during the, the new trilogy's uh, time period. But you don't have all those classic characters that everyone wants to see, you know, Luke, Vader, Leia, uh, and even kind of, you know, the, the, the stuff surrounding that. And so I think one way they could fix that and kind of fudge it is the Millennium Falcon. So the Smuggler's Run. It's a really great ride and it's a great fight somewhere. It's awesome to be in the Falcon and do all the stuff, but no one's really, at least I wasn't, you're not really attached to the storyline of it. Mm. You know, I'm smuggling coaxium, you know, with a guy that I just met, sure. you know, and, and Chewbacca is supposed to be there, but I can only hear him you know, doing his, you know, Wookiee noises in the background. Yeah. And so I feel like one easy way to kind of fix that is if they changed the missions, because there's different, I don't know how many, there's probably five or six different kind of missions that you can go on right now. If they did kind of classic Star Wars stuff. So you had like a Death Star, you know, trench run. That seems like an easy way. Yeah, you know, Battle of Endor, stuff like that. Yeah. Where the Millennium Falcon was actually in all these places and you can kind of, you know, you have some, you know, cast member playing Han Solo and stuff like that. And I think that that would really kind of capture that you know, sense of nostalgia that everyone has for Star Wars. That makes sense. Especially That's because a really good idea. It is. And I think especially as like we've seen, I've heard at least that like now that Rise of the Resistance is there, uh, Smuggler's Run is very much kind of, and not an afterthought, but it is like you, if you're going to do something, you're going to do Rise of the Resistance. And so like, I think giving that its own thing, it's like, oh, you want the classic Star Wars? Go to do this. You want the updated one? Go do Rise of the Resistance. I think that, that could really help that out. I like that. Right. Do you think there's any part of it where it's like, uh, some of those actors wouldn't let Disney use their likeness in the parks. I don't think that they have a choice, though, right? Because it's like with Indiana Jones, you know, Harrison Ford didn't do the voice for the ride. True. Oh, True. we know. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I would imagine they own the at least the visual likeness, and I I don't I don't know beyond that. Um, and I mean, obviously, we've seen. I to wait. I'm totally lying because like they had the characters in Star Tours. Right. So yeah. So they could. Yeah. I was just wondering if that would maybe be deterring them from doing it, but it does man. always seem like if there's an obvious thing that they haven't done, it's probably due to contract reasons. But in this case, maybe they just didn't do it that way. Yeah. Well, at least because they want to keep. It. I mean, if you do that, you lose that sense of immersiveness because right. you're, you're you know. And so I think that's why they didn't do it. But I just think that it's you know it's it's better for fans of the Star Wars property, right? And it's kind of like you know you the immersiveness is fantastic. And it's amazing, but 
the farther you get out from opening, I think that yeah. you lose some of that. And also, like, look, I know my lightsaber is going to cut anybody. I pretend that part uh, too. So, do like, you really know? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I uh, mean, they ask, have the new lightsabers, apparently, right? That are supposed to be real working lightsabers. I didn't know that. Okay, good. They, oh announced. yes, yeah. They upped the price, but they're supposed to be pretty amazing. So <laughs> definitely excited. Okay. About that. But no, but these aren't the ones at at Savi. So apparently, um, I don't know so who runs Disney now. For his name. J-Pack? Bob Chapek? Yeah, I think it was him. So he, at some kind of behind-the-scenes Disney meeting, unveiled, and it was a big news story. It was probably like two weeks ago. Unveiled what they said was a real, quote-unquote, working lightsaber. Oh, wow. And, you know, at first when I read that headline, I was like, a real, like, you know, like proto-like lightsaber with like a laser and everything. I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, Disney has billions of dollars. Maybe they did it. And then you read the article more, and it's it's basically like a fully operational retractable lightsaber, but it's still super cool. Okay. That so cool. that's going to debut, I think, with uh, the Galactic Cruiser Hotel, apparently. Yeah. The For probably like $10,000. Of course. You know? yeah, yeah, of Which course. is the like completely immersive, like you like, the ho- it's incredibly expensive to stay there. And like you have a mission and like you are, you are in the Star Wars universe. Well, Andrew, after you spend too much money going to it, you'll have to come back on and let us know. Yes. <laughs> I 100% would do it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on and geeking out with us. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. And uh, I hope that this gave people a little taste of what Galaxy's Edge is like, what to expect, um, and get excited about it. And may the 4th be with you, Andrew. May the 4th be with both of you as well. (laughs) And yay, thank you so much for listening. Um, Come join me because I'm probably in Galaxy's Edge right now. Right now as you're listening, it doesn't matter what time, I'm there. Uh, (laughs) I'm so excited to go. Um, Well, make sure that you check us out and what I could be doing at Disneyland um, at Slice of Disney on Facebook and Instagram and Slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter. Uh, if you have long-form thoughts that you want to email us, you can do that at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on YouTube. We'll be posting some of those videos on YouTube as well. Um, and if you need one kind of place to check all this out, find our Patreon and all that kind of stuff, sliceofdisney.com. Yay! And make sure to, I feel like we haven't been saying this for a while, even though y'all know, to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share with every single friend. Every single friend you have. <laughs> sure that seems a little demanding i think you know uh, a couple is fine yeah okay okay <laughs> just a couple people um i hope everyone has a wonderful week and may the fourth be with you keep bye hey everybody don't turn off your podcasts just yet uh for a little bonus content we are bringing you a fun little trivia game that we played uh, star wars may the fourth be with you trivia uh competition between our star wars expert and Kelly's roommate, who also loves Star Wars. Uh, Play along at home. It's uh, actually pretty fun. We have a good time with it. Okay, so we're going to do something a little fun today that's a little different because we have three Star Wars experts around the table right now. So first we are going, uh, before we get going with the trivia, to welcome my roommate, Adrian. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Hi, Adrian. Hi, Will. Uh, uh, Favorite Star Wars movie, go. Oh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Okay, you got it right. Good. You're ready for trivia. What color uh, lightsaber will you make? Ooh, red. Oh, mm, okay. man. Dangerous. Ooh, you scary. live with this guy? I know. I'm, I'm second guessing that right now. Um, <laughs> so, 
We're going to play trivia the way we're going to do it. I'm going to ask the questions. Um, some of them are multiple choice. Some of them I'm not going to read the multiple choice. We'll see how we do. And um, and maybe like I can start by not reading the multiple choice. And then I, that's if you need the, idea, yeah. So I, I think I'll start by not reading the multiple choice. If you need the clues, I will read them out. Uh, I'll have you raise your hands and then I will call on you like you're a student. And uh, if you get it wrong, it will go to the next person. Okay? I feel like we should have lightsabers. And you Should turn I get them on. Mine? <laughs> I know. We only have one in this household. <laughs> For now. For now. Well, I was gonna say, apparently he's a Sith Lord over here, so he probably has a bunch. <laughs> okay. We're going to start with question number one. Which Star Wars movie was filmed entirely in the studio? Uh, our options are Return of the Jedi, Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. I gotta guess. Okay, Andrew. I'm going to say Sith. Unlike the previous Star Wars films, which were shot both on sound stages and on location, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith was filmed entirely in the studio. Nice. I thought it had to be one of the prequels, but I wasn't yeah. sure which one. I was thinking maybe it went like oh, I, maybe it was like Solo. I was like maybe it's a an all, like one of those movies that isn't really part of the main because I haven't seen Solo. So I was like, who uh, knows? <laughs> if you had seen Solo. You remember that the ending is like on this huge cliff, probably somewhere in like Ireland. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> mm, if yeah. I had. Um, which of the three main heroes, Luke, Leia, and Han Solo, in the first Star Wars trilogy refused to sign a three-picture deal? Who was first? I think it was you. Adrian. Adrian. Solo. That felt about right. Yeah. <laughs> Has to be Harrison Ford. Uh, having Han Solo frozen in carbonite was at least in part, due to the fact that they were not sure that Harrison Ford would return for the third film. Well, that was a joke about, spoiler alert for Force Awakens, like he had been trying to get George Lucas to kill Han Solo for I didn't years. Know that. That's yeah. very funny. What a silly man. <laughs> Instead, he's like doing magic tricks with David Blaine. You know, he's like too busy. He's living his best life. He is living that his best That clip is life. like, why did that resurface anyway? That clip is like 10 years old. I have Yeah, and then recently it like got really big on the yep. internet again. Okay, who served as Jabba the Hutt's chief of staff? Will, were you first? I think I was first on that. All right, Will, who? Bib Fortuna. Hey, so so far, you've all got them right. Let's give kind of a harder question. Let's see how this goes. Mix a a challenging one in there. I thought those were hard ones, so. (laughs) (laughs) If the Death Star was a globe... What cardinal direction do the X-Wings fly in the trench run from A New Hope? And where is the exhaust port? North and North Pole? Yes. Is it? It's north? Yeah. The exhaust port is in the Arctic Circle North area, and the trench run is in the Polar Trench. So the X-Wings are headed north on the Death Star. Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) That feels like... Very specific. That feels made up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got the made up answer made right up. then. No, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, okay. What? Did you write this quiz, Adrian? <laughs> but technically aren't all maybe, of the maybe answers not. made up. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Fair point. What human Star Wars character took three actors to portray in A New Hope, but only one actor to portray in Return of the Jedi? Will had his hand up. He was ready to go. This is wrong. Chewbacca. No. I had a different answer. And then Does I think anyone it was else know? So. Yes. Annika Skywalker? No. I would have said Jabba. This is Wedge Antilles. Oh. Wedge Antilles. 
<gasps> they did change actors. I didn't realize that. See, I was thinking Darth Vader, but then like yeah. when you said only one in Return, because I know like famously they had like right. It, yeah. It does say Jabba the Hutt would also be an answer if he were human. Ah, uh, that's why because human. Jabba. I don't know if you guys have seen it. So they originally the original Jabba the Hutt scene was with an actual guy. I remember hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that. Okay, let's let's just do a couple more. This is fun. So I think you're winning right now. I think we're tied, right? Oh, are you all tied? I think it's two, two, one. I only have one. Oh, this is a fun one. Wait, it, it depends on if Jabba counted or not. Mm. Didn't count. I feel like you got a half point. So Adrian's oh, okay. winning. So it's two, one and a half, and one. There you go. Got to have some more half points in there. All right. Um, in Return of the Jedi, the growls and sounds of the Rancor, which I think you have Rancor teeth. Yeah, that's from Mogo's Cantina. Yeah. Um, in Jabba's palace, were actually made by what animal? I'll read these since this is, you know, a little uh, more obscure. Uh, panther, dachshund, wolverine, or pigeon? Wolverine. Was your hand up? Yeah. Okay, wolverine? That's my guess. All right. Nope. I don't know the answer, but I want to say it because I feel like it's probably going to be the ridiculous one, dachshund. <laughs> that was what? what I wanted to go with, but I was like, ah. It was an aggressive dachshund, <laughs> specifically an aggressive dachshund. Okay, does so, it does so, it specifically say what the name of the dachshund was? Because would, that would be a fun fact to know. No, be, I wish. Ugh. Now I want to hear a sound clip of an aggressive dachshund. Yeah, just to compare. <laughs> um, which character said, "Why you slimy, double-crossing, no good swindler"? Oh, that was a quick one, Andrew. Lando, Calrissian. Nice. Running away with it at this point. (laughs) I know. Four and a half points, I think. How many people does Darth Vader kill in The Empire Strikes Back? Zero. That's not one of the options. Ah, (laughs) I went out on a lark. (laughs) Two. Nice. All right. Here we go. Do you know who? Uh, it's just two Ooh, yeah, random bonus. officers. Random officers on the. Uh, it has their names. I don't know their names. Do you know their names? Oh, I do not. Um, Admiral Ozell and Captain Need- Nida. It's like the joke, like by the second one, where the guy just like falls to the ground That's dead. Funny. <laughs> Captain Nida, resuscitation. Need a, How- need a back to tank. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! How old is Yoda when he finally succumbs to the Force? 900 years old. And I'm not ashamed that I know that. <laughs> I thought that was it, but I was like, I don't know if it's a flat 900 or if there's some extra change in there. There's probably extra change, yeah. but I feel like it's... Yeah. I love the actor questions. I think they're funny. Who did not attend the 1977 premiere of Star Wars A New Hope? I'm going to go with Harrison Ford. Let's see. <laughs> no. Gonna, oh, I'm wow. Gonna, he was there. I'm going to go with the guy that played Obi-Wan Kenobi. The options are going to be Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, or... George Lucas. Oh, okay. Well, then I got mine wrong. Carrie Fisher. Nope. Uh, well, Do you want to guess, Will? I, I, Mark Hamill, then, because George Lucas had to go, right? What? Whoa. Lucas didn't go? <laughs> to be fair, you did say actor. It did, that's questions. what it says. But he's not an actor. Oh, it doesn't say actor. Yeah. Oh, man, you I ruined it. Uh, I messed that up. Uh, Director George Lucas was so sure this movie would flop that instead of attending the premiere, he went on a vacation to Hawaii with his good friend, Steven Spielberg. Where they came up with the idea for Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's, kind of, that's, that's a good vacation. That's a very good thing. He didn't go to the uh, premiere. That's crazy. Um, the actor that I don't know, the actor that played Obi Wan Kenobi, Alec Guinness. There you go. Uh, was like famously like, famously like he also thought it was gonna flop, and like 
was like, this is ridiculous. This, the, the dialogue is terrible. Well, he was the only one at the time that like he, that was the interesting thing about it. He was the only one who had real kind of acting, serious acting credentials before that. I mean, Alec Guinness was a serious theater and film and TV actor. I think he might've won an Academy Award prior to that, probably. And he was just, yeah, acting in this kind of crazy new universe with these unknowns. Yeah. (laughs) With all these excited new talents. Um, Okay, uh, let's see. The score currently is three and a half. It's at least four and a half. Maybe five and a half. I think it's probably five and a half. All right, so so we got Andrew with five and a half. Adrian with two. And Will rocking that one. Heck yeah, I'm happy I got one. I never said I was an expert, so. (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. All right, let's get two more questions in there. Two more. Two more. Let's do lightning. Not lightning. Two more. uh, Each worth three points, so we can try to catch up to Andrew. There we go. The rules have changed, and Just I like it. Add some stakes. Who did Obi-Wan Kenobi defeat in the Battle of Naboo? Darth Maul. That was, wow. a, that, was, that was a layup. Yeah, it was. I was just like, I feel like it's a trick question. I know. Like, when she said it, I was like, yeah. wait, like, yeah, there's yeah. got to be something else. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. So now we have five and a half and five. We just and the last Ooh. point is worth six. So I get a chance <laughs> to get it right and win. This is how Will works. He likes to change the rules as he goes. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Let's see. Um, I want to make sure it's a good one, you know? I got one. You can't ask. You're a, con- you're a contestant. Yeah, maybe, though. Okay, so it's worth six points. You're asking it, and then you can answer it. Uh, who did Will dress up as at the premiere for Phantom Menace? Who, Will? Darth Maul. Wow. <laughs> I win. You won. <laughs> I win. Tell you what, if you could produce that photo right now, I'd agree. I'd agree that you'd won. <laughs> I wish. I, I mean, I've got it somewhere, but I can't produce it right now. So. All right. Uh, we're going to go with who is the only non-Jedi in the original Star Wars trilogy to use a lightsaber. Han Solo, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, or R2-D2? Han Solo. That's right. Dang! Wow, that was close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a good game there. That was a good game. Nice job, everybody. Yeah, you. you guys know a lot about Star Wars. Oh, actually, I have one more that I... It's about actors. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Is it really about actors this time? Yes. What actor pulled out of episode three, Revenge of the Sith, when he discovered that non-union actors were being used in the film? Mel Gibson, George Clooney, Gary Coleman, or Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That one was worth 10 points. I win. Congratulations, everybody. Thanks for playing. Wow. This game is rigged. Okay, this is your undisputed reigning trivia champion chiming in here to say thanks for listening and to steal a line from Kelly, K-bye.